Hey, I'm Dominic Waddles. And I'm Mark Rosenblatt. And this is the M Detroit Podcast. M Detroit Podcast is an interview-based podcast about the artists, creators, and innovators of Detroit. You're breaking so now listen to what we have in store for you this week. This week's podcast, we have Buddy Butson and Ursula Walker. Mark, why don't you tell us about them? Oh yeah, so Buddy Butson and Ursula Walker, the dynamic duo of Detroit. They've been around for quite some time, absolutely killing it. In this podcast, we talk with Buddy about his playing with some of the biggest names in entertainment, Earl Clue, Buddy Rich. And with Ursula Walker, we talk about a bunch of the opportunities that she's had over the years as well. And with them, we talk about, you know, them as a music duo, being a successful music duo, and how they continue doing that. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Buddy Butson and Ursula Walker. You ignore all the stars above you. Welcome to the In Detroit Podcast. We have Ursula Walker and Buddy Butson. Whoop, whoop. Woo, woo. Oh. <laughs> oh, thank you. Great to be here. So the way that we do this podcast is we have, uh, we read you guys your bio. Since there's two of you, there's two bios. We're going to read two bios, and then we're going to ask you guys some questions, and then we'll go from there. Does that sound okay. good? Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Um, and I think Dom and I can just split up. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you do Buddy, I'll do Ursula. Okay, great. So, um. Buddy Budson has been playing jazz piano around the Detroit area for the past 46 years, beginning at local clubs at the age of 15. In 1973, Buddy joined drummer Buddy Rich's big band, toured England, Australia, and then the United States and recorded an album with the band. Soon after, Buddy toured with both guitarist Earl Clue and the Motown group The Four Tops. He has also backed well-known performers including Henry Mancini, Mel Torm, Sammy Davis Jr., Marlena Marlena Shaw, Charles McPherson, and Steve Turay. When the Fox Television Network debuted in the late 80s, Buddy composed and arranged the theme song and much of the transitional music for the sitcom Duet. He has also done vocal and instrumental arrangements for big band and orchestra. Buddy is married to noted Detroit vocalist Ursula Walker, and together they perform at clubs and concerts throughout the Detroit metro area. They've also given many clinics at Detroit area schools and the University of Michigan, Michigan State University, and Wayne State University. Buddy is the recipient of the Metro Times Jazz Award and the Detroit Metro Area Musicians and Entertainers Association Teddy Harris Jr. Legendary Award. And now Ursula Walker. (laughs) Ursula Walker has been a mainstay of the Detroit music world for 54 years. Beginning at the age of 11 on Detroit television and radio. Pursuing her career in her hometown while raising four children, her outstanding talents as a unique stylist of ballads, standards, and jazz gained her national recognition among her peers. In the 60s, 70s, and 80s, Ursula fielded many offers to tour nationally with many notable musicians such as Stan Kenton, 
the Harry James Band, Count Basie, and Tony Bennett. Over the years, she has performed at countless clubs, concerts, and festivals, frequently at the Detroit International Jazz Festival. She has opened for many well-known performers, including Dizzy Gillespie, Oscar Peterson, and Tanya Maria. Ursula has been the recipient of numerous awards and honors. Among them are Cillo, uh, no, Cleo Award for Best Vocal Performance and Commercial Jingle, election to the Metro Times Jazz Hall of Fame, the Midwest Arts Legend and Jazz Hall of Fame Awards, the MCA Outstanding Music ah, Musicians Awards, the Detroit Metro Area Musicians and Entertainers Association Teddy Harris Junior Legendary Award and the 2007 Southern Christian Leadership Conference Aretha Franklin Award for Outstanding Achievement in the Performing Arts. They also have two wonderful, wonderful resumes that you sent. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Well, and if if I might, yeah. I just want to uh, <laughs> correct, correct one thing because this was, that was an older uh, bio and uh, uh, there's several floating out there. So, but the... 46 years working around Detroit for me is actually 61 and for Ursula the 54 that you mentioned is uh, actually 70 years and uh, uh, so I it's just so that people don't get the impression that we're youngsters <laughs> we're not they look young to me yeah. They're like jumping around the house, guys. Seriously, right, right. Jumping yeah. off the walls right now. Actually <laughs> <laughs> doing handstands right now. Handstands yeah. right now. Yep. And making cookies. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, can I tell you that uh, I just celebrated on the 18th of this month my 80th birthday. Wow. Woo. Yep. <laughs> I'm telling you, she does not look 80. <laughs> Maybe Doesn't 79. Right. <laughs> um, so after hearing your guys' bios, uh, is there anything that you would add or change? Besides like the, what <laughs> the has age. been clarified. Yeah. <laughs> well, there, there have been many things since then, but probably, you know. Uh, yeah, there, yeah, there yeah. are some things. Uh, uh, or add that I'd like to add. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> um, when I was 12, I started singing um, with USO, United Service Organization. And we would entertain um, the servicemen downtown. And then occasionally they would send a bus uh, to pick us up and drive us all the way out to Selfridge Air Force Base mm. to entertain the servicemen there. And one year, um, they flew us to Escoda, Michigan. I guess there's a, I think it's Escoda. There's, there's a, 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 a camp there. Mm -hmm. And we entertain um, the servicemen there. So, um, <clears throat> and I think, I think I was 12 when I started and maybe 17 or 18 when I stopped, you know, doing the USO shows. 
and then also, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I, at 12, I was offered a recording contract with Mercury mm. Records, but the contract, I mean, they had complete control of my life, and so my parents wouldn't sign it, you know, so I didn't do that. And then at 17, mm -hmm. I, Barry Gordy asked me to join Motown Records, but mm -hmm. by that time, I heard, heard people like Sarah Vaughan and Carmen McRae, and I said, that's the kind of music I want to do. Mm -hmm. So I said no to Barry Gordy. <laughs> He was thrilled. That's, I said no to Barry Gordon. Well, and, and, and if I could just interject, we don't know this for a fact, but he had written a, a song for her he, he wanted to sing. And, and this was just before Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell did their first duet. And uh, it just it, it had a feeling that that was what, what was in his mind. Well, that's because um, Dave Vandypit, who was an arranger uh, at Motown, mm -hmm. um, uh, he, he told me that Marvin really liked the way I sang and he wanted to do something with me. So, But because I turned Barry Gordy down, <laughs> I, I, uh, I didn't get a chance to sing with Marvin. Mm -hmm. It would have been a pleasure, you know, seeing with him. All right. So, um, Buddy, how about starting and playing in clubs at 15? Yeah. Well, uh, it wasn't exactly legal, but <laughs> but uh, every everybody did it back then. And and if you didn't, of course, you had had to make sure you didn't drink. Right. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess. That was pretty young, but uh, just where there were a lot of clubs on the east side of Detroit at that time around East Warren and Mac and mm -hmm. uh, worked a bunch of those trios. Mm -hmm. Were you playing, um, what kind of music were you playing? You were playing it, was, like it was all standards, but I, I, was, I was playing uh, rock and roll stuff in high school. Uh, you know, the usual, you know, like VFW dances and, uh, well, that's what, you know, everybody was doing back then, I guess. And uh, uh, those were not as much fun as, uh, in the clubs, just standards, mm -hmm. just standards and trying to learn tunes. Um, amazing. It was always amazing how many tunes there were mm -hmm. to learn. We're still learning tunes, yeah. actually. Uh, were you playing with people like your age or older? I was playing with people older, but when I first started doing that, it, it was, I have to say, it wasn't with people uh, who were really, you know, some were, were, were pretty good, but I was playing with more of the ones uh, that weren't, weren't, you know, really great players. Mm -hmm. I eventually graduated to that, you know, but, but uh, I remember working uh, uh, with a trio where, <laughs> where the bass player, uh, his concept of playing the uh, upright bass was, was to just place his fingers on the fingerboard wherever. 
<laughs> wherever, <laughs> wherever they fell, that was that was the note. I'm sure, yeah, it was. Uh, and uh, there's a vibe. Yeah, a certain direction where the music went. <laughs> yes, but he sang. See, oh. that was and it was his group. Oh, okay. So there you. That's usually kind of how it is. I feel like you know. Wait, wait, wait. So. <laughs> <laughs> so he's if the singing, bass player, if the bass and he's playing singing. whatever roots he wants to play. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And you're it's an interesting year old, concept, yeah. So how did you uh, manage to maneuver the chords that he wanted to? Uh, play? I I just played what I thought would was right and let just let it. <laughs> Let him fall where he may. Was the audience into it at all? (laughs) Was the audience into it? You know, in those days, uh, the audience, I don't think the audience really kind of knew what was going. It wasn't, you know, I mean, jazz audiences in those days in real jazz clubs. Now, these weren't really jazz clubs. They were lounges where they had music, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And 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 most everybody in those in those days were playing standards, but mm-hmm. but uh, it wasn't really like jazz clubs where you'd go in here, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, great jazz players, right, playing, right, you know? right, right. So yeah, I don't think the audience knew. Mm-hmm. If it had been a the <laughs> real audience of the day, they would have, they wouldn't have been there. Gotcha. You know, just slowly file file into mm-hmm. a line and walk out the door. <laughs> <laughs> um. Ursula, um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, you, you already mentioned a little bit how you started um, on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you kind of got to that point? Like, how did you start, like, singing and getting attention and was able to get people to, like, be like, oh, we need her on yeah. TV? Well, actually... Um to go back when I was a toddler, we live in an apartment building, and across a very narrow and short hallway, our neighbor studied classical piano. Mm. And my mother said I would stand there at the door and just listen, you know, so intently, you know, that, you know, probably thinking, oh, what is, what is that beautiful sound, you know, I'm hearing, and, um, so, and we listened to radio all the time. Uh, uh, all day we had the radio on, so we were hearing music. And hearing this music, uh, you know, it wasn't television, so it was you couldn't see the person. All you could hear was their voice and what they were singing and hopefully the story they were telling and... and uh, so I really got involved in music. I mean, it was just what I wanted to do. I wanted to sing. So um, when I was um, when I was 11 years old, a um, friend of my mother said, why don't you have Ursula audition for the Auntie D show? Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't have a TV, so we didn't know what the Auntie D show was. So uh, uh, my mother found out. And so uh, she sent in, you know, a request for an, an audition. So I went. And it was funny because um, I just stood there and sang the song. I can't even remember what it was. But um, they said, Ursula, you know, you're going to be on television and people will be seeing you. So you got to be more animated, you know. 
So um, when when we left, I told my mother, but I'm singing a song, I'm telling a story, why do I have to be animated, you know? And so uh, I got another card from them giving me another audition date. Mm-hmm. So I went, and I the song that I picked, I really overdid it, you know. It was, well, the, your audience can't see it, but you guys can see it. Be a beggar, be a thief, be my sunshine or my grief. So I really hammed it up. And <laughs> so so they, they said, okay, you know, you can do the show. But once I got on the show, I just stood there and sang the song. Because to me, that was the important thing. He, get the music and telling the story. Mm-hmm. And so I did that show for three and a half years. And, and actually, there's a video and there's a, a TV show called uh, Detroit, Early Ch- Detroit Television. And there, um, you know, they show Soupy Sales and some of the other um, WXYZ, mm-hmm. you know, uh, performers. And there's one of me, you know, they show me uh, singing um, uh, Over, the song, Rainbow. Over the Rainbow. Mm-hmm. And um, Then you know the the guy that that made the show or that did the uh, the producer of the show uh, interviewed me, and I was telling him you know about you know singing and how important it was to me, mm-hmm. and hearing beautiful music, and how it inspired me, and so after after that show ended. Um, then I decided to um, audition for the Don Large Chorus, WGR Radio. So I went from television to radio. Mm-hmm. Usually people go from radio to television. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but So I auditioned for Don Large Chorus, and I sang in the chorus for five years. And when that show ended in 1961... Um, they asked me to stay on and do a Saturday morning show. And so I did that show for a year and a half. It was Saturday mornings, 7 to 12, live with a quintet. And what year was that? It was, um, you know, let me think. I was 20... 21 or 22. Yeah. Yeah, so what year was that? (laughs) 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 Uh, It was was 50. No, 50. uh, So it was. Yeah. When was. uh It was like the end of the 60s, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Or maybe the very beginning of the 70s. But that was live radio. And they were iconic radio shows. I mean, live entertainment on the radio. Like she said, there's a quintet backing backing them, and the arrangements were just 
stellar. I mean, you know. yeah, some of the, Jimmy Lance, who was a WGR announcer and personality, Jimmy Lance and Dale McCarran, they did all the talking, and and then we had Jimmy Clark. Uh, he was the band leader. He played piano and saxophone, and then we had a, a saxophone, trumpet, guitar, bass, and drums. And then there was a male singer, Tim Johnson, and we would alternate doing uh, doing uh, solos. Mm. But uh, I remember one time, though, one of the musicians, uh, I don't know, he did something, and we were all laughing during a break. And then when we came back, I was up to to sing a ballad, mm-hmm. and I started singing, and I looked over at him, and I started laughing. <laughs> so I laughed, and then I composed myself, and then maybe sang another phrase, and then started laughing again. So mm. I laughed almost through the whole song, and they were, they were kind of upset. The director was kind yeah. of a little upset, you know. But then during our break, our next break, uh, someone came in and says, "Ursula, you have a phone call." So. Uh, when I got to the phone, it was a lady, and she said, I had to call you and thank you. She said, I was sitting here writing this letter and feeling very down and depressed, and I heard you laughing, and I ended up laughing with you, and I had to call you and thank you. So, Wow. So, <laughs> so touching. Even in the times that you... Yes, yeah. Still touch people's hearts. Yep. <laughs> and can you believe somebody could actually call the radio station live? Yeah. There was a That's time. Yeah. 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 yeah call one eight hundred X Y Z. Um, buddy, since you mentioned arranging, how did you get start started arranging and reharming? Because you are very known for that. Oh well, thank, and, thank, and thank you. Um, well, I, I didn't, and, and I really always regretted that I didn't study that formally, you know, and, and of course the programs at Wayne State, now, well, all of the, everywhere, really, Michigan State and U of M and, you know, but they just have such great programs for that, but, um, I just kind of, you know, acquired it little by little. Uh, as far as as far as the arranging for, uh, the big band stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, there's the, the story. I have to say in, involves Ursula because when she she sang for 21, 20 years, twenty one years with the Brookside Jazz Ensemble, twenty one piece big band, and so I thought, well, I'll start arranging some stuff for her. And the first, <laughs> you guys, I don't know if you, well, you might. Remember this? Uh, there was a group called was it uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer? Or yeah, yeah. Was it yeah. that? Was that the group? I'm trying to think, but there was a well-known tune that they did called Roundabout. Is that was that Emerson Lake and Palmer? Or is that Yes? It was Yes. Yeah. You're right. See, there you go. Uh, but so I liked that tune. So I thought, and and we had been doing some some like uh, bar covered stuff yeah you have to, you have to tell them about that yeah but anyway so this was my very first arrangement that i ever did of that tune roundabout yeah. and uh and i uh 
I brought it to the rehearsal, and uh, one of the guys said to me after rehearsal, you know, buddy, uh, we're horn players, and, you know, we have to breathe. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so like just end-to-end, -end you know, stuff, you know. And, uh, but, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, you learn from everything you do. Mm -hmm. And uh, years later, I, I, I read... Uh, in a biography of uh, Henry Mancini that he had the same experience, similar. I'm sure he started out as a better arranger than I did, but but he started arranging for Benny Goodman, hired him because he'd heard about this great guy from Pittsburgh. And uh, in his first bunch of arrangements, uh, Benny would not use because he said, you know, it's just, uh, we just like to have some nice breathable you know <laughs> you know breathable and charts. and he and he said he learned from that also um you know how to he said from that point on he started making his stuff just playable breathable simple you know and he was noted for that stuff but anyway that was the beginning of it and then i just kind of learned as i went and uh the reharmonizing thing i always loved doing that it was it was uh it was something that i that i really enjoyed doing so and, and that's another thing well. i guess very, very that's so well but, musicians but you got to tell them the story before that how you used how we were first started working together and you did all the vocal arrangements. Oh yeah, we we'll, were. We'll get to there. Okay, we'll get to there. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ursula, you mentioned that you you uh, entertained um, like service men and women for the USO. Yes. Um, can you talk about that? Because it says it, it says in the <laughs> resume that you sent us that you did it for seven years. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, it, like I said, it was downtown. The USO was downtown. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, there were like four or five what they call units, entertainment units. And each unit had, you know, singers, tap dancers, baton twirlers, piano players, and, you know. And um, uh, I joined Ruby Jones' uh, unit, and we would go down on Sunday, Sunday afternoon, and we would, <clears throat> excuse me, um, entertain the servicemen. Well, you know, they had, the USO, they always had, <clears throat> had um, they had like ping pong tables for the guys to play, and car, they would sit and play cards, and they would have um, refreshments for them, and then we would come in and entertain, and entertain them. And uh, whenever, um, when we'd go to Selfridge, out to Selfridge Air Force Base, it was, um, like I said, they would bring, <clears throat> send a bus to pick us up, and we'd ride this bus. And in the winter, there wasn't much heat in that bus. It was pretty cold. And it was, it was a bumpy, it was a bumpy ride. It was like, whoa, you know, you felt like you were on an amusement ride, you know. And we, you know, you know where Selfish Air Force Base is. It's way out 
Mount Clemens. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Cold. And so from downtown Detroit out yeah. to out to the base. An hour and you know. a half. So it was a long ride. But the thing is, at that time, we lived on, my parents and I lived on Hancock between Bovine and St. Antoine. And uh, the bus would take everyone else downtown, to, you know, to the USO. But my mother and I would get off where um, where uh, East East Grand Boulevard, Gratiot, and Warren would meet, and we would catch the Warren bus. We would stand at the bus stop at uh, I don't know, probably around ten o'clock at night. Uh, we'd catch the uh, we would stand there and wait for the Warren bus mm -hmm. so it could drop us off, you know, at, uh, at Warren and Bobian, so we wouldn't have to ride all the way downtown. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, it was the the servicemen. They were always very appreciative, you know, of of our being there. But and after a while, we the same unit started playing at Jackson Prison. We would play for the uh, inmates there, and uh, it, it, there. Sometimes the guys would get a little mouthy and start saying something, you know, to the girls, the entertainers, the dancers, you know. And uh, Ruby Jones, she was just a little little lady. Mm -hmm. uh, more, I think she was, if she was, was, she was five feet. And she would go and stand in, in, uh, at the mic and she said, now you guys, you guys, <laughs> you better behave yourselves, you know. It was so funny. Yeah, tell them about the one guy. Oh, yeah. Well, there, there were always uh, uh, some of the inmates backstage, and this one guy, he, um, he came over and spoke to me. He was, uh, he was a white guy, and he had, you know, white hair, and but he was so soft-spoken, and he uh, he says, you know, I you know I enjoyed your music, and I said, well, thank you, you know. So I asked uh, someone after he left. I said, uh, who is that man, you know? And uh, they says, oh, he was one of the Purple Gang, and they told me his name. Do you know who the Purple Gang? Who's the Purple yeah. Gang? The Purple Gang. The Jewish. Oh, that was the, Jewish the gang, gang from Detroit yeah. that ruled. Yeah. Detroit during the bootleg era, mm -hmm. era. They, they were all Jewish gang. Yeah. And uh, they were notorious for the, their viciousness. And, and, and the story is that, that uh, Al Capone's gang in Chicago would, would uh, kind of do things with other gangs around, but he would not mess with the Purple Gang. Yeah. But he was so soft-spoken and so, you know, just... Old man, and and I, and when they told me he was a member of the Purple <coughs> Gang, I didn't know who they were, and I, but I read about them later and found out. That's you crazy. Learned, you learned that something was, every day. The Purple mm -hmm. Gang. Yeah. yeah. Running Detroit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, yeah, they would like transport booze from Canada to Detroit. That was yeah, like Windsor to the Windsor to Detroit. You know, and, and if I just something quick, uh, uh, one, the one thing is, 
when she started singing with the USO, that was the end of the uh, Korean. Was, it was in the last year of the Korean War, mm -hmm. which was the first war that they uh, Truman integrated the armed services during that war. But I, even so, I, I don't think you saw many black soldiers. No, I didn't. No. I never thought of thought about it, you know, at the time, being a young girl. But years later, I thought, you know, it's really odd. I I don't remember seeing any black servicemen mm -hmm. downtown. I saw some out at Selfridge, but not down in the downtown. Mm -hmm. And I thought, hmm. I was going to ask, uh, or we're kind of going to go on to... Uh, Questions for both of you, uh -huh. but that's really interesting. That in Detroit, I guess just a different time period. I guess mm -hmm. with just all white servicemen, but if you go to Selfridge, just trying to think of when did it fully, fully, fully integrate? Like the armed services were all all places were represented, all races. Definitely mm. not during that time. Yeah. No. yeah. I was going to say, when it first started, it probably would have taken about 10, 15 years, almost. Mm -hmm. Right. Generation. Right. It, it, yeah. Officially, but yeah, nothing happens right away, that's for sure. Takes time. Yeah. But, moving on, um, playing with greats for the both of you, What were who were your favorite greats to play with over the years? You, we, in your bios, it didn't really mention everybody, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like you mentioned, like you're getting calls from Barry Gordy, <laughs> Barry uh, Gordy. So then. I mean, you, you didn't play with him, obviously, but yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, if you guys can talk a little bit about, you well, know, I never, various... I never sang with Aretha, uh, but I always loved her and admired her, mm -hmm. and I, and she was very kind to me and buddy yeah. she really was she was we would sing at her house you know at christmas parties mm. and um mm. and i remember one one man says aretha aretha when this was when i in between my songs and they said aretha, aretha when are you going to sing when are you going to sing and he says ursula is singing now and and oh god tell her the story about uh, Erica, you oh know, remember, my gosh. Do you remember when Aretha recorded with uh, was it George? George not, Michael. George Michael. Mm -hmm. They did a duet. Do you remember hit. that? Well, I yeah. think they were too young. Well, we too we young. Yeah. Mean, we're, from, we're familiar with. I'm just familiar with the song. You're yeah. Playing. Oh, are you? Yeah, okay. And I can. My memory is like names of songs and and musicians. It's starting yeah. to go. But we, <laughs> yeah. but then yeah. I went to Aretha's and. Uh, to sign some papers or something. Anyway, uh, uh, Erica, she was, we took our daughter, Erica. Yeah, but she, she was little at the yeah, time. Yeah, she was little, and she liked uh, George Michael's, his singing, mm -hmm. you know. So when she asked Aretha, um, how, did you enjoy working with George Michael's? And, and, <laughs> and Aretha says, yeah, yeah, it was, it was fun, it was fun, you know. And then years later, Erica said, I can't believe I asked Aretha Franklin. Same with George Michael. Oh, my gosh. Because yeah. later on, she went to uh, Oberlin her first two years of college, and she had 
a radio show. Uh, you know, she dabbled in in that. They had a had a uh, R and B uh, and soul music radio show at the uh, college station mm-hmm. that was. Her five slot o'clock. was five, five o'clock, o'clock in the Sunday, mo- morning. Sunday morning. You know, <laughs> yeah. and she used to say the only people listening were were students. people who had been students who had been still out up. partying all night, still <laughs> up, or farmers just getting yeah. <laughs> farmers just getting up. Um, but you know, and she used to play a lot of Aretha, mm-hmm. um, you know, amongst other people. And yeah, yeah. yeah she, when she looked back on that, she was that's awesome. Believe it. Yeah. What, what about you, buddy? Did you? What are some uh, can you talk a little bit about some greats that you played with over the years? I definitely want to hear about this Buddy Rich. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. oh. Well, I, yeah, I, I have to tell you the story. When I met Buddy, because uh, uh, one of the, the uh, jazz trumpet player, uh, the jazz chair uh, on the uh, band was Greg Hopkins, who was a great trumpet player from, he grew up in Berkeley, mm. Michigan. Okay. And... Uh, and uh, in fact, he did some great arrangements for Ursula well, because he was in the Brookside Band before he left to go out on the road with Buddy. And some of her, there's a couple of great arrangements uh, that he did for Ursula. But uh, anyway, he did a lot of arranging for Buddy's band. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, he got me on a band, and I met the band at the airport. And we were, it was a hot July day, and we were going, the first gig, we were going to take a bus to uh, Kalamazoo, that was the first gig that I did with him. And so he brought me on the bus, bus. and at the time, this was 1973, and uh, I had real long hair down my back, I had a full beard and mustache, and uh, my passport picture, I, I, to me, I looked like Charles Manson, you know. That was, <laughs> and, and so, and, and I had on a uh, tank top, because mm-hmm. it's like 90 degrees, you know. And uh, so the, the guys were in the band were getting their luggage and stuff, but he brought Buddy on the band. And so he brought Buddy up to me and said, Buddy, meet Buddy. <laughs> and Buddy didn't say hello. He, he kind of looked me up and down. And uh, I don't know what kind of language I can use on the podcast. Well, you can say whatever you we want. We check you, the no kids box. Can so you block it, out, block it out? If I give you the exact phrase he said. I mean, you know, it's, it's, if you don't want us to mention it, then we won't. But if yeah. you're okay with the Oh, I'm okay with it. Go for okay. it. Go for no, it. He, he looked me up and down and he, he says... This ain't no fucking blood, sweat, and tears, you know. And then he walked away. <laughs> I said, "Nice, nice to meet you too, buddy." Oh, my God. and that was uh, that was my initial meeting with him. So it was it was something. But he was. Did they get better? Huh? Oh yeah. Oh. yeah I mean, he he was he was a great drummer, of course, you know. And uh, but the thing that I didn't particularly like was he was kind of the old style with four on the floor with the kick drum, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, taking over some of the bass function. And it it, it kind of bothered me playing, um, you know, uh, so that was one thing. And, and he was always very showy and stuff, you know, and uh, actually he... He the he the best that 
he sounded was when he was uh, a little high, you know, and then he would <laughs> calm down. Uh, and and of course, everybody knows about his technique. You know, he's flawless. But you know, he, to me, his his greatest work was brushwork on ballads and stuff because he was just he had every nuance down, and it was just in that part of it was just incredible. But he was. You know, he had that outsized personality, and he was very uh, kind of nasty. You know, mm. I mean, that was his thing. You know, and and I think after playing years and years with with all the great musicians, and now he was doing doing these tours with the bands with all the young guys from colleges and stuff, and and it was like. I don't think it was his favorite thing, but it was mm. that's what he was doing, making him money. You know, mm-hmm. and he had to be the guy in charge. You know, yeah. So. When did you both meet, and when did you guys become like start to become a duo? Well, we started out working at a restaurant, um, Duffy's. That that was in Union Lake. Union Lake. Union Lake, and. Um, well, actually, what happened, um, Jeff Steinberg, and uh, who also did some great arrangements, big band arrangements for me, he and his partner, Jeff Parsons, um, uh, asked me if I would ever think of working with a group, you know, doing some, some uh, pop tunes. And um, so they took me out to this club where Buddy was working, and um, I heard his trio. It was Buddy, Ron Childress on bass, and, um, and, Mike, and Richet. Mike Richet on drums. So, um, I, you know, I said, I said, okay, you know, that, that might be fun to do that. So we got together, and Buddy did all of the arranging, all the vocal parts and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, we rehearsed it, and then we started working at this at this uh, restaurant, and then it just grew from there. Yeah, I, I, I we three of us sang, so they were three part vocal arrangements. So we would do covers of uh, the tunes of the day, uh, Fifth Dimension, uh, Three Dog Night, uh, Slime, Slime Family, Family Stone, Stone, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, and I sang one of the parts, not well. <laughs> and, it was better than the bass player. Was better. <laughs> no, actually, the bass, bass player, player was a good he, singer. He was he was a good singer. The drummer, but the drummer didn't sing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. then we we started working other gigs, you know, from there, and um, and then then it happened. <laughs> Dom just looked, he just looked. Dom just looked at me. Just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so we started working a lot of, you know, uh, just just gigs like everybody worked around town and clubs. Used to work a lot of clubs mm-hmm. back in the day, in days when when every restaurant had a group. You know, I mean, didn't didn't have to be a jazz club. You know, every, every mm-hmm. restaurant had a. Had a trio or, a, well, a piano player or a duo or even more. Yeah. So. 
unfortunately, that's not the case anymore. Not the case. Yeah. 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 Got a yeah, lot of COVID. Well, not even COVID, man. Just like post pre COVID. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Hopcat. There's no music at Hopcat. Oh, no, you know, it's funny because it's like, it's like right next to Hopcat in uh, Midtown. Is that Woodward and like, how was that road? Well, it's just like Midtown, like downtown, like Midtown, you know? Right now, you guys know where the Whitney is, right? Yeah. 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 The Whitney. So the Whitney plays live music all the time. And then right next to the Whitney is the Hopcat. It's kind of like a. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, they don't, they just play like music on the radio or whatever, you know? Even though they do have the space for it. Yes. The what? The space. They have space for it, like a perfect kind of space. Yeah. There's always room to squeeze in. A group, right? Yeah. Right. There's a there's an upstairs. I think maybe even some music. of the smallest spaces you've yeah. ever seen with Bernardi's. a trio. Oh, <laughs> Bernardi's. God. My God, God. We were lined up along the front window. Yeah. I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's Piano. amazing. There's I could piece. actually see that picture. You're just like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't move for an hour. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another place in Midtown that has a really small stage. I'm trying to think. It's uh, Baker's. The, <laughs> no, it's even smaller than Baker's. It's even smaller. Smaller than Baker's? Yeah, oh smaller my than Baker's. Because Baker's, you can fit like a drum set, a piano, you can stretch out a little bit. You know, you can. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get some people on there. Ah, uh, man, I'm trying to think. Uh, it's not the Whitney, it's somewhere else. Uh, I'll, I'll remember it later. You'll shout it out there. Yeah. But um, you both write lyrics to bebop tunes and yes. tunes in general oh, yeah. so mm-hmm. explain yeah. that for us yeah well over the years there were tunes that i'd hear and i thought boy if they only had a lyric you know and um so we started writing lyrics at first the first one i wrote was uh was uh, wayne shorter's footprints mm. oh, wow. and then and what are the other? then the other one is uh, background music? Are you familiar oh, with that? A great is that a Lonnie Tristano song? It's it's well, you're in the right group. Oh, people. sorry, what's his face? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Saxophone. saxophone. Yeah, but I'm th- there's yeah. two. There's Warren Marsh. Warren and Marsh. Okay. Warren yeah. Marsh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Warren Marsh tune written on uh, All of Me. Yeah, yeah. Great line. Yeah, uh, you, you've heard the tune, right? Uh, and. Uh, in the, and a lot of lot of notes, so a lot of words. Yeah. Uh, and she mm-hmm. wrote she wrote it really, you know, in in the tradition of you know all the you know John Hendrix or mm-hmm. whatever. And the other one was um. The uh, last the what's word. God I can't think of the name. Um, here in the quiet night. Oh, uh, contemplation. Contemplation. The McCoy Tyner tune. Yeah. Lyric for contemplation. And then the ballad. Back. Oh, huh? that is the such ballad. a good tune. Yeah. And the, um, because you have Wayne Shorter's take oh. on contemplation, and yeah. then McCoy Tyner's version of contemplation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, wow. I think it's yeah. more. I think it's McCoy Tyner's McCoy's version of it. Yeah. And then I, I wrote a lyric for um for uh actually. Don Sebesky wrote a tune off of Rachmaninoff's. Thunderbird is the Thunderbird Suite or Firebird or something, right? No, no, this Not is that the, Oh, that's Stravinsky. No. But yeah. Yeah. It was it Close enough. Second Symphony Second of the Third Third No. Third Third Movement of the Second, of the second symphony. symphony. And And I just when I heard it, well I, 
I did Rachmaninoff's vocalese with the Detroit Symphony once for a, for a musician. Um, uh, it was a fundraiser for mm-hmm. a musician. And um, at that time, I was working at Jack Volkenshaw, and he asked me if I would consider doing it, so I did. And I just fell in love with Rachmaninoff. And so when I heard this tune, uh, I just, I told Buddy, I said, and especially after we heard Don Sebesky's, you know, um, play on it, um, I wrote a lyric for that. And that took me a while because of the form. Uh, Strange but I, form. But I finally did it, and I love it. I love it. Oof. It's just, and uh, I'm thinking of doing one on uh, Con Alma. Mm. I love that. So, so that's why I started doing it because, you know, tunes that I heard that I loved, but I wish they had a lyric. So I said, well, I have to write. What's the process like? How do you well, do it? My process okay. is um, um, that okay, you take. Uh, um, hmm. I'm just trying to think of the name of it. The tune. Oh, da 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 da. Okay. Here. Oh, okay. Kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would, like, um, one, two, three, four, five, six. You know, da 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 da. Then the next one, ba 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 di ba da da, ba 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 di ba ba da, ba 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 di ba da ba ba da ba, and I would just, you know, I have an idea in my mind, you know, what, you know, because of that tune, I always thought it would be a great love song. Here in the quiet night, filled with anticipation, mm. knowing that soon you'll be here, longing to kiss you and hold you so near. So I, I do it the way the melody and the, the, the uh, structure is yeah yeah and sometimes it's hard like that the the one uh the Rachmaninoff's piece that one was really hard because it how's it go let's see well because of the rhyme scheme too yeah uh to get to get a rhyme scheme in and and most of the stuff that we've done use rhyme schemes uh, although you know more of the more modern stuff, but maybe doesn't. But in the old tradition, it did with the with those jazz standards and and uh, and and regular standard tunes. And uh, I think we both feel it's it, it's important, except in certain in certain situations. But to get the scheme down right, yeah, and I definitely think the integrity it's of the to you know phrase someone. When I mentioned that before, Caesar, oh, but that's not jazz. You know, you can change that for jazz. But I feel if I'm going to write a lyric off of someone of a tune that someone has written, I want to, I want to uh, use their melody. You know, and I mean, then, then when you're performing it, you can change it. You know, but mm-hmm. if I'm going to write a lyric, I want it to be true to what they wrote, and. And most of the great lyric writers of the past, <laughs> um, 
But that was the thing is that you, uh, especially if there's already a melody that exists, yeah, uh, and and also if the melody comes first, whether it's one, an individual writing both it, in rare cases in the old days, uh, or if the, the melodic line came first, uh, you honor the melody first, and you don't change the phrasing uh to to make it you, you don't change the melody to make it fit your phrase mm-hmm. and a yeah. lot of people do that and especially with doing the kind of thing that we're doing when you're doing it on a jazz instrumental it's like well i can't this is a great phrase and i can't fit it in exactly you add a note or you change where the the thing that really irritates me to no end is changing and where the syllable that the accent falls on, because mm. it, you know, in it, 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 you lose the meaning of the story. So um, it, it, the the whole thing is to keep the integrity of of the melody that was written by the composer at at all costs. In that Rachmaninoff speech, that was the hardest. Of, you know, it took me a while to get it just I was right. Say, uh... Rachmaninoff is playing a lot. Is what? Is what? It's playing a lot in the house. That's one of me and my dad's favorite uh-huh. composers. Oh yeah. Me and him, uh, we bond over like Rachmaninoff, Chopin a great deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brahms, his first piano concerto. Um. Many others, but Rachmaninoff is very expressive. Oh yeah, very. I love it. I love yeah. his music. This is just a quick story, but uh, his first piano concerto—I believe it's the first—but he introduces this grand theme. It goes boom, dum, bing, boom, boom, be da da do, be da 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 and then it just disappears <laughs> he never he never references it ever again in the, the whole thing it's just like you, well, just... you know it's the same with the tune that we're talking about the ballad mm-hmm. that Don Sebesky took and that Ursula wrote lyrics he does the same thing with that if you listen to the actual his to the Rachmaninoff thing the, the beginning of the third movement Mm-hmm. of the second symphony that melody just kind of comes in at the beginning and yeah. same as that yeah. it disappears you never I, I don't think you ever hear it again in in the whole movement mm-hmm. right but it's, it was so strong right you know it was so da, strong Oof. You guys hear that? Yes. <laughs> Take it in. Yeah. <laughs> and and I just have to add something that in in praise of Ursula, but you know, the thing that she is noted for, I would say more than anything, and and rightly so, is her is her phrasing, her, her sense of phrasing, and especially well on anything, but the ballads, mm-hmm. you know, are just and. And it's because there, to my mind, are only a few singers that do it at the, at that level, and 
to where the story becomes so so prominent and emotional because of the way the lyric is phrased. Mm-hmm. And I, I know she always tried to instill her students with, with that. Um, but it's it's it sounds like an easy thing, but but it's it's really not you know, to to get that just you know. And so when when she would sing a any tune, you know, and I'm thinking especially of ballads, like never in the tune would the would the melody be sung the same way, you know, either at at a different time or within the tune, you know, doing the in course or the out course, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just that there are so many ways to do it really well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, can you guys talk a little bit about like mentoring? Because I know you guys have done a lot of that. Yeah. And what kinds of things you uh, can kind of pass on to the younger musicians that are learning, or you know, any thoughts you have on mentoring and whatnot. Well, I always, I always tell um, the young vocalists. Well, first of all, I not just the vocalists, but the musicians. Take care of your hearing. If if you're playing in the music, in the, it's too loud, and you start getting pain in your ears. Because both of us wear hearing aids now, mm. two hearing aids. Uh, take care of your hearing. If um, the band you're playing with, or they're, if they're too loud, get some kind of, uh, of they have little things you can put in yeah, your ear. Yeah, protectors. Yeah, do that. And with singers, because I sang with this 20-piece band, and they played so loud sometimes that it was crazy, you know. Um, and I ended up, having some hearing loss, you know, because of that. And that's the first thing I tell them, take care of your hearing. Um, And the next thing, don't, you know, I'll have them sing a a line, and I'll tell them, I said, hold back, hold back, you know. I said, the thing about singing a lyric, you know, changing it up is... You go forward, and then you have to hold back. If you hold back, then you got to catch up. You know, try that. You know, and like you take take a a, a lyric. Um, um, the very thought of you makes my heart sing. You know, the the very thought of you makes my heart sing. Like an April breeze on the wings of spring. (laughs) Or the very thought of you makes my heart sing. Like an April breeze on the wings of spring. You know, so. And some of them, if they learn the tune like a certain way, it was very difficult for them to change 
you know. Mm. And I, I told him, don't be afraid to change up, you know, your phrasing of a song. Take one song and change it up. And I'm hoping eventually, in fact, I know there was one girl that definitely got it. Um, but, um, you know, because in learning a new tune, I tell them, don't take someone else's version of it mm-hmm. and learn it. I say, get the music and, and, and learn it the way the composer you know, wrote it, and then change it up. But don't, if you listen to someone else's version, you're going to end up singing it the way they sing it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do that. You want to be an individual, you know. So some of them, some of them had a hard time following that, you know. Mm-hmm. They learned it that one way and they couldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like stuck in the box. Yeah. 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 Of the recording, yeah. Yeah. I totally understand that because what is it? I think I was learning this one. I was I was listening to Frank Sinatra and I was just like, okay, what should I? Let me listen to somebody else. Yeah. And then it's very difficult because you know Ella might do it different than Sinatra or mm-hmm. Sarah Vaughn might do it. Yeah. She did stuff way different than Ella. Oh yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> Sarah. Like Sarah was more aggressive with the songs mm-hmm. than Ella. Ella was very more, yeah, of course, commercial because that was, yeah, that was just what the the position she was put in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I really like that. Yeah, because mm. I remember, in fact, when when I turned Barry Gordy down. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I remember hearing Sarah Vaughn on a, on a recording, and I thought, "Ooh, that lady can really sing." You know, I liked the way she was phrasing, how she was using her voice, using her vibrato. You know, but it seemed like for her, she she was just like, "There's no limits." No, I'm gonna use everything I can possibly use. Yeah, in singing all these standards. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what standard it was, but I think it was nobody else but me or something like that. Oh yeah, but she just tears it up. <laughs> yeah, she, she can be soft, she can be loud, she yep. can be medium, she can be all. Yeah, well, yeah. that's what it is. But um, the one that the one that really had the the phrasing though was Carmen, Carmen McRae. Yeah, mm. <laughs> she mm-hmm. she really had the phrasing. Yeah. To, to, and like you mentioned, Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett. Mm. Mel Torme, too. Yes. <laughs> but Tony Bennett was my favorite. Yeah. He was my favorite, you know. Right before we move on, uh, there's this um, Kurt Elling. He's my favorite yeah. one right now. Yeah. Because he sings Resolution. Oh, yeah. And I'm yeah. just like, <sighs> he yeah. has that buzz. You know how saxophone players have a buzz Mm -hmm. if they play like an auto link or something like that? He has that buzz in his voice. I'm just like, just. Yeah. It's either you're born with it or you're not. Yeah. Yeah, it's super cool because he also does like, he takes, transcribes a solo and then write lyrics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. that. Yeah. 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 And to tunes like that, the resolution and. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That Wayne Shorter tune. 
Night, not night, not night oh, concert. Uh, That's an Errol Garner thing. Oh yeah. Oh, I know which. I know yeah. which one you're. The the waltz. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Night Dreamer. Yeah, yeah. Dreamer. There you yeah. go. I love yeah. that tune too. That's a great tune. And then, then he gets on stage and he just looks like a rock star. Yeah, he has the hair. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, yeah. I'm about to kill this. <laughs> but kind of moving on. This next okay. section is called Hip the Listener, and this is where we have you, the guest, hip the listeners to anything, whether it be music, art, events, movies, documentaries, whatever you want. Oh. Hip the listener. Hip, hip, hip. Yep. Yeah. So let us know, you know, anything. Ah. Hip the listener. Um, what's something that, that you were like. doing or anything, anything. want to yeah, do? Yeah. yeah, you're like, you should check this out. You know, if you were to recommend something to somebody. Oh, oh recommend something. Yeah. Um, hmm. Uh. I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything. Well, get hip to Ursula Walker then. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, 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 I would say, you know, there's so many things to listen to. I mean, it's just, uh, uh, I, I would say, uh, Coltrane box sets from the, from, from the, you know, uh, era before, before the. Uh, more outside stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, all, all of all of the Miles stuff from that era, starting from the very beginning. Um, and uh, now, for me, you know, talking about liking <laughs> noir film, mm-hmm. I'd say some of the in the if you like the 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 photography and everything that has to do with the visual thing in black and white film and and just the uh, vibe of, <laughs> of that era of film, check out the classic noir films, like starting with one of my favorites called Out of the Past, Robert Mitchum f- film. And one of the scenes in it, like all of a sudden you hear this loud high trumpet thing because they're in a in a jazz club mm. where he's starting his investigation and uh, and uh, it's just they never gave credit to these bands in these films usually and you have to really dig to find out but it was a real young Gerald Wilson no oh, wow and uh, playing with a with a you know like a quintet or something in this jazz club and uh, and so many of those films featured because it was part of <laughs> jazz was part of the thing that they thought you know was dark and moody you know and uh, <laughs> and so a lot of the stuff was up in and some of it was about so some of them were about uh, jazz stuff mm-hmm. um, uh, Rachmaninoff yeah check out Rachmaninoff stuff uh all the, all the one of Ursula's f- uh, favorite genres to listen to is uh, Latin stuff. She's listening to Latin stuff constantly, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, whenever she would get ready for a gig, on would go 
Joe Henderson's Lush Life album. Mm. Thank you for remembering. <laughs> <For> remembering <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, All these things yeah, are there. I, we just got to think of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I would listen, like when I'm cleaning sometimes, I'll turn on, I'll put this Latin. Uh, it was it. It was, it was it actually the Latin real book. Yeah, the Latin best real book. thing that you know, yeah. like the CD that went along with that. But there's some some great stuff on there. Yeah, and uh, I, I've put that on and listen to it while I'm cleaning, or if I if I want, just want to dance around, I'll I'll put it on. Yeah, unfortunately, that. I I can't be the dance partner oh. because I'm also that's the second thing I'm in. The Guinness Book for is the world's worst dancing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's subjective, honestly, you know, so. <laughs> Not with me. <laughs> <laughs> you, would, you would back me up on that, wouldn't you? No. No? No. Oh. I don't no. think you're the worst. Not the worst? No. No way. No. You've, you've seen worse. <laughs> I've seen worse. <laughs> Well, we're going to hit you guys with some rapid-fire questions, and uh -oh. then we're going to wrap it up. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, starting with the first one, we have... Confucius said you have two lives. The second one starts when you realize you only have one. Mm. When did you start your second life? When I met Ursula. Mm -hmm. When I met Buddy. And what age was this? Hmm? What age was this? Uh, I'm trying to, I was 30. Well, What's it depends that? on when you say we met, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, when we were serious. I would, I would say you were, um, Thirty-three, thirty-four. That's not okay. good. I got some time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and, and it's it's our second marriage for both of us, and okay. that's and that's and that's, uh, it's a pretty accurate, I would say. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Top three lyricists. Hmm. Uh, the Bergmans, Marilyn and Alan Bergman. That's two. <laughs> um, John Hendricks. Yeah. Um, I would definitely agree with those. And uh, I might add, uh, I may, might add, uh, I personally uh, am a fan of, of Lorenz Hart. You know Rogers and Hart, mm -hmm. and uh, and actually uh, Hammerstein for different reasons. Mm -hmm. I would add in there, uh, and and then and then some. Uh, gotta throw in some modern ones too, but there aren't that many modern ones that that I really like. But uh, uh, I definitely put in. Uh, 
Paul Simon, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, How about a favorite song to play with each other? Favorite songs to do together? Mm-hmm. So many. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are so many. So many. But um, Time for Love. Time for Love. It's one. Time for Love. Right. Yeah, that yeah. hook is like... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, a lot, a lot of them would be ballads, I think. Yeah. Because they're just so, you know. And I have to add uh, that, uh, you know, not to say gratuitously or anything, but, but the way, you know, I'm saying before the phrasing, the way Ursula sings ballads, is, is just so. Um, emotionally wrought and whatever that that there have been times when actually I have to admit this when I've played be playing in, in a, at a gig behind her and she's doing a, a particular ballad and I'm listening to the, to it in the phrasing when I I've actually cried and I remember Chris Collins said the same thing mm-hmm. so I was in good company wow what is in your current music rotation? What is current music rotation? Like, what are you current? What are you listening to nowadays? Oh. You mentioned uh, the, the the like the Latin stuff. Yeah. Um. Current. Huh. Hmm. It's hard to pick one thing, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um, well, I think maybe speaking for myself, but maybe both of us, um, older things. Uh, one thing is we get uh, we get this. Uh, what would you call it? Rudy's thing is it like a newsletter. You, you know who Rudy Tusich is? Do you guys? He was mm-hmm. one of the, he was great jazz disc jockey back oh, okay. in the day. And he was also a, a drummer in the bebop era. And he worked with all the great uh, bebop guys from Detroit. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, he's our generation, or maybe he's older than us. I don't know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but but he, uh, he, he has this thing that he's been doing for years. Where he sent, because he's got an incredible library, as you might imagine. He was a DJ on the radio, jazz mm-hmm. DJ. And he sends a couple of tunes. He calls it Morning Song or something. Mm-hmm. Every single day of the year. He's been wow. doing this for years. And it's all just classic stuff from his library. And it's so fun. You see this in, in when you get up it's on your, in your email and... Uh, and listening to all that stuff, that's one thing, you mm-hmm. know. And, you know, besides select people, I, you know, lately after Chick died, you know, going back and listening to a lot of his stuff too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I've all, for me, I've always listened to a lot of Keith Jarrett. I mean, for mm-hmm. me, that's the, that's near, that's right up at the top of the, 
That's the top of the hill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's a bad dude. Um, if you had a billboard anywhere in the world, what would it say? Um, anywhere in the world what would it say I I would love to find my parents surviving relatives because I haven't I've never met them if you drive if you drive by miss <laughs> well but seriously I I have relatives, uh, my father's brothers. Um, I've never met them. I've never m- met um, they um, well my my father's mother was Irish. I don't know anything about his father. Mm. Although I think one cousin said that he was uh, uh, he was uh, Spanish, um, and I've never I only met one of my father's siblings, and that was his sister who came to visit us, mm. and he had brothers that actually passed for white. And I've never met any of them. And I really seriously would like to meet, while I'm still here, um, meet those relatives. I know the the uncles and probably cousins, or some of them aren't here any longer, but there's got to be some relatives, some of their children that, and I really would like to meet them. Yeah, like on finding your roots. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What about you, buddy? Well, you say a billboard anywhere in the world, so like all over the world? It could be. Yeah. I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is make your leaders tell the truth. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Top piece of advice for up-and-coming and up-and-coming and uh, young musicians. Top piece of advice. Well, there's, there's so many. Uh, I would say, of course, there's the thing that's trite but true is listen, listen, listen. Uh, definitely the key to everything. Um, for piano players, uh, I, I well, just taking one area, I would say, um, just for the sake of, of reharmonization and stuff, which is an important 
you know, part of it that I like to talk about. Explore every every way you can move, you know, through harmony and use it and practice it and then be real careful and th throw a lot of it out and use it very judiciously because not just with with reharmonization with with everything having to do with playing uh surprise is the is the thing if you play too much you if you throw in every you know chord movement you can it it's it brings everything down because there's you know the the essence is is the surprise so mm -hmm. that's one thing i would say Cool. Um, <laughs> I would just tell the singers today to learn everything they can, everything they can, to listen to all kinds of music. Uh, listen to some of the, the great singers that went before you, and um, love what you do. Hmm. Is there anything that you would like to leave with the audience before we depart from the table? <laughs> Some chocolate chip cookies? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, um, there's so much. It's hard to think. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, just, just, uh, now, if you're musicians, you know, like Ursula said, listen and love, love what you do, mm -hmm. listen to all the stuff you can, and if you're fans, just su support the music in every way because uh, um, it's 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 not only an art form; it's an it's one of the most important art forms. That we've ever had, and like you know, everybody says, but it's true. It, it's the pretty much the only original American art form, jazz music, and it pervades all other music. And uh, I'm just say to uh, listen and, and support uh, all the live live music, especially that you can. Yeah. Mm. Also, where can people find you guys? Right here. Yeah. <laughs> At this table. Cooking, cleaning. <laughs> we we're we're actually gonna be uh we haven't done the dirty dog anything uh, this year because of the virus, but we're gonna be at the dirty dog in uh we don't have the date yet. Uh we, we don't have the exact date yet, but in so, around September. Oh, uh, awesome. Sweet. And uh after the festival. <coughs> And uh, we'll be we'll be back around now that we've been fully vaccinated, mm -hmm. <laughs> and when stuff starts opening up, we plan on on being around as as much as possible. So uh, mm -hmm. I don't know exactly where, other than that, the thing coming up at the Dirty Dog. But we we also the group that we've been working at with, <coughs> excuse me, mostly lately. 
It's a group we we really love working with, and it's uh, it's uh, Ursula plus quintet. So okay. it's it's Ursula and myself, uh, Dwight Adams and Keith Kaminsky are the two horn players, mm. and Jeff Halsey on bass and Dave Taylor on drums. Yeah. So love uh, we love that group, and we love them, not just as musicians. But as people. But as nice people, people, because they're very supportive. Just yeah, and that makes a difference too. I might add that too. Is uh, for you musicians, uh, especially young musicians. Uh, sometimes, not all, because we we know a lot of really wonderful young musicians. But but. Always remember you're there to support what everybody's doing, and not every group might be your ideal group to work with or whatever, but it doesn't matter how good individually you are, you know, you're there to make the group sound good, and if you take the gig, that's what you want to do. So uh, that, that's really important, then everybody, make everybody comfortable. Mm -hmm. Not just musically, but, you know. Totally. Sweet guys, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was thank awesome. Oh, and I, I gotta tell you, I'm very nervous about <laughs> doing interviews or anything. I get very, but uh, I enjoyed this. So. Awesome. You guys Seeing are awesome. Your, your faces, your lovely faces. Yeah. 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 I'm glad you guys thank enjoyed you. it. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Oh, no problem. Right. Well, this has been the M Detroit podcast, and we'll see you next time. so much for listening guys check out our social media spotify google podcast apple podcasts and also make sure to like share and subscribe to all of our social media and we'll see you later